Hello and welcome to this Meetings Today podcast. Uh, we're here with John Trask, who is the uh, the entrepreneur, uh, the, uh, the head of Strategic Meeting Tech, a meetings industry veteran and really um, a person with a long history of AV issues in the meetings industry. Thanks for joining us, John. Oh, thank you for having me back. It's really uh, always a lot of fun to uh, to have a chance to sit and talk with you. Thank you. Likewise. Um, and I know, I think you did one of our first podcasts, if not the first one. Um, and that that did really good. People are really interested in it. So, uh, good. you know what? Why, why not have you back, huh? <laughs> well, I'm glad people were interested in it. <laughs> Well, um, cool. Well, let's get on to the, uh, the business of today. Um, we, if uh, all of you out there in listener land, um, our May edition of Meetings Today, um, we are featuring a best practices feature. Um, we do this every month. And really, it's sort of like a checklisty, for lack of a better word, uh, feature um, with some basic info. Um, to keep top of mind for meeting planners on various subjects. So um, the one we're doing in May is called uh, Best Practices Event Technology, starring John Trask. Um, and so um, we'll list, uh, you, can, you can check that out there. It'll be, of course, sent out digitally also. But um, let's start, um, John, with, uh, with your, the number one um, thing you put in there was ask questions. Why is that important? Well, and actually, I, almost number one and number two kind of uh, go down the same path. So I'd, I'd almost like to address both of those at the same time, which is okay. ask yep. a lot of questions and understand the extended costs of the technology you want to add. Right. Okay. So really, the thing about asking a lot of questions is I see a lot of people, they see the next shiny thing, something that is like a really cool, oh, that would be really cool to have. But they don't really ask questions about how it works or deeply understand it. The way that fits into number two is the extended costs. Uh, I, for an example that I, I have used a little bit over the past few years is when widescreens started coming back in and people were wanting widescreens in their meeting. I would get somebody to say, oh, I, we really want a widescreen. What are you going to put on it? Who's going to create that content, and why are why are you wanting a widescreen? Is it just because everyone else has one, or is there a specific thing that you're trying to accomplish, and how will this technology support your goals? Right. I mean, you go to some of these big events, and they got they not only have one widescreen, they have like a whole wall, huge convention center walls full of widescreens. Yeah, I mean, costs have come down, you know, and, and you can you can do some really fantastic things, but you still have to have have a reason for it. I mean, you know, as much as I, I, I'm a technology guy, I, I like all the new toys and all that. I've talked people out of using things or modified what they wanted. Uh, I had one meeting uh, a few years back where... I found out the only content they were going to put on the screen was in 4.3. It was PowerPoint. And, and they could do it in 4.3, and they had um, like one little clip of video that they wanted to roll, but it was coming off of a, a streaming service, so it, it could be in 4.3. So by having all of that information, they, we were able to use a lower-cost projector 
work with the vendor to shift them over to something that saved them some money. And that gave them some money that we could put toward a polling system, uh, an audience response system that they they could really use, but they didn't ha- they hadn't budgeted for. Even if you pull back on one big splashy technology, you can use that money in other areas that are perhaps uh, more beneficial to your purpose, right? Yeah, and that's that's really it's having these conversations and it's talking to your vendors and it's talking internally to your various people and and depending on what role you're in your client, but it's really having an understanding of what the meeting is trying to accomplish and what goals you're trying to uh, hit at this meeting and then fitting technology to it instead of the opposite way. And I'm guessing the answer to this question I'm going to ask now is it depends. But I mean, (laughs) it would be nice to have a guy like you uh, with us if we're planning a meeting. But how about the, the people that run these AV companies or the branches of them and the facilities, how helpful are they? Um, do you think some of them are just out to kind of upsell and get the sale or are some of them, do they really do provide consultative services? I, I would say it's very much both. Um, there are, there are some great, great companies. There are some great, great in-house companies and they have their strengths and they have their weaknesses And sometimes uh, one of those weaknesses will be that the person who's selling it isn't really the person who's fulfilling it. Mm -hmm. And and where that runs into problems, uh, I had a a quote from from an AV company to me for one of the projects I was working on, where they literally forgot to put projection in, in the main ballroom. They, they had switching equipment, they had cameras, but they forgot the projectors and screens. And that's a significant hit to the budget for a 3,000-person meeting. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's lots of uh, things to keep track of every step of the way, right? Yeah, so having, you know, having a, a little bit of a way to sit down and analyze things and, and have a conversation with your vendor and or your your potential vendors and i know it takes time and everybody's pressured but at the end of the day you're you're going to get good ideas from a lot of them and it's just figuring out who who they are you know the ones that you want to work with and the ones that are going to be able to really understand your meeting and your 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 goals for your meeting and help you achieve those well, it's great. Let's move on to number three. This is a huge issue. Oh, yeah. Understanding the bandwidth and costs required by any technology. And I mean, you could do, we could probably do an hour on bandwidth alone. Just, you know, everybody. You don't have the bandwidth to do that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> everybody is trying to figure this thing out. And I mean, I've heard the hotel side of it, and I understand there's a cost to the infrastructure that they have to put in to be able to make those connections. Um, And at the same time, there are some prices that I've seen come across that just seem really insanely out of scale. It's like they're trying to pay for the entire infrastructure on that show. (laughs) And and so shop as you can. Um, There are ways you can bring in uh, things. There are ways, and it really depends on what you need you know, what, what your presenters are going to need and what you want to show. One of the things that I used to advise people on a lot 
and even if you've got something that you're doing live, let's say on the internet, um, I like to have a recorded backup and, and something that I can go to because there's always the chance of there being some failure in a very complex system and you end up with just nothing on the screen. Yeah. And I, I've even heard they have backups on thumb drives and other media also, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, take the presentation. Take, if, if you want to show off a website, go on and record the website and go through what you're going to talk about. So you've got a video of that and you can bring that in and you can do it live and hopefully everything will be fine and you've planned ahead and there's no problems. But you've got that to fall back on if if there's a thunderstorm outside and the Internet goes down. Right. And what's a good way to really determine how much bandwidth you need? I mean, you don't want to overbuy that, but also you don't want to uh, get something cheap or free and have it not deliver what you need, right? It's A lot of it really boils down to how many connections you're going to have. I mean, people are carrying multiple devices into meetings now. They may not all be using them at once, but if you tell everybody to pull out their phone... They're all going to do that. And, and so that's going to be, you know, 1,200 people trying to hit your infrastructure at the same time. And, and you may not have the bandwidth for that. You may have plenty of bandwidth for people sending their email and checking things and kind of intermittent uh, work going in and out. But you're not going to um, you're not going to have the bandwidth for everybody getting on and streaming something uh, locally themselves. Well, let's move on to number four. Um, you know, this uh, before contracting with a venue, make sure all your tech-related costs are clearly defined and in writing. And this this is a big one because there there have been a lot of challenges over the past maybe fifteen years um, with understanding in-house costs, and the the in-house position often is that, particularly on rigging or power. You're dealing with a safety issue, which I do understand, um, and you want to make sure that your guests are safe and that things are done properly within the room. But you don't want to be surprised by what those costs are, and you don't necessarily want to have them being used as leverage against you, which I've seen properties do, in that they will say, okay, well, you know, your, your rigging will be free if you give us the show. But if you bring in an outside company, they'll quote some astronomical amount of full rack rate price. So I say when you're negotiating your contract, while it's still a negotiation and, and not asking for something, find out what those costs are. Ask for a production guidelines. If it's a, a larger hotel, many of them will have a production guideline that will spell things out and it will say, how many people they require for rigging and, and how much a point costs. A point is where you attach something uh, when you're rigging things to the ceiling. And there'll be a per point cost that you can understand that and have it in writing so that later on it's not, well, it's free on one hand or it's $250 for each point on the other hand. Right. You want to know that up front, definitely. Yeah. yeah. All right, it's, go yeah, ahead. It's, Sorry. Just, it's just one of those things where you can create some certainty. 
Yeah. And and be able to go into the meeting understanding what the costs are going to be if you bring in an outside producer or an outside production company or or AV company to support you and not have problems on the other end. Excellent. And then how about making sure your event is secure, both in a physical sense and then uh, via the Internet or virtually? And I mean, that really comes down to there. everybody hears all the time about the constant hacking of databases and things. And you you just need to know that your data, your event app and proprietary information is secure and and being protected and there may be situations where it doesn't seem as important um to you and you you're the person or, or the company that has to define that or decide but there are certain companies that you know their guest list might be very proprietary and might be very important that no one else get a hold of and and so being able to lock that down make sure that your IT department is doing everything securely and that your vendors are then working securely when they're passing files back and forth online and uh and and working with you in preparation for the meeting excellent and then how about um you know analytics everything's about analytics now how yep. <laughs> how can you measure the impact of your event with them and how do uh, you know how do you go down that road or even begin to go down that road a lot of the uh, event apps are are offering analytics now okay so you can get um at least through the app like usage and you know what people are looking at and and where they're going and what they're doing with it if you step into some of the other uh areas like rfid or or beacons or things you can even track like the flow of the audience if they're going between breakout rooms and get a better sense of which sessions are more popular very interactively and very much live in real time right through heat maps and such right yes and so you can get these very, very detailed statistics out of that. How you use them is everybody's question. You know, I mean, you, you need to understand what you what metric you're setting up and what's a successful part of your meeting. And then you can gather that information to work toward it. And I've, I've even uh, written stories about, you know, of course, people using these for uh, revenue generation and sponsorship opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you know, here's here's uh here's the heat map showing this is where everyone's uh, congregating. You want your booth right there, and uh, mm -hmm. here's what it'll cost, right? Or or we'll put your we'll put a digital sign there, and we'll put your ad up on it every thirty seconds. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Um, and then event apps. Everyone. I mean, the, when I first started out, they were a novelty. They were well. I don't even know if they were around, but uh, uh, but now I mean they're 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 more than just an online schedule for your attendees. What do you mean by that? Well, there's just a lot of things that can be handled through that app, um, and again, you get some usage statistics and analytics that come back out of that. You can do polling. So where we used to have the thing where you'd bring in an audience response system, you can do a lot of that now through the app. You can simply have people, you know, answering a questionnaire or interacting live with a presenter using the app as a basis for that. There, there are all sorts of modules that these app vendors can plug in. I mean, they can put in a destination guide to the city that the people are in. So during off times, 
Uh, they can have interactive maps. You know, it'll take your position and show you where you're at on the show floor and help you find the booth that you're looking for. Right. Yeah. And, and read more revenue generating opportunities. To- yeah. And, and obviously you can do branding and, and, you know, advertising and things to help support the cost of these uh, within the app. Excellent. And then how about streaming and capturing your event? Why is that important? And I guess the old argument used to be, uh, well, that's going to cannibalize our uh, face-to-face attendance. And I've heard, and I don't have the statistics at my fingertips, but I've heard that really through studies, they haven't found that to be the case, that it doesn't really cannibalize. And in a way, it's a promotion. It actually, you you want to show people, look what you're missing out on. The fear of missing out, FOMO, right? Yes. Yeah. So you give them this great view of what's going on. Maybe you don't give them everything or you make it a premium that they pay something for. Um, but having that available um, hopefully can generate future attendance and excitement. If you've got this great meeting going on, you want people to see it, especially people who haven't committed to come to this year's. Right. And the same thing with capturing it. I, I always say capture it in the best quality. I mean, if you're putting the cameras in there already, it's a very small incremental cost to add capture in uh-huh. because storage and everything has come down so much now. And so you take that material because you just kind of never know what the next thing might be. And there are often ways to reuse that. You can make kind of a sizzle reel or something to put on the next year's website, you know, even just some basic advertising things out of it. That's all your content and you better capture it, even though you may not know what you're going to do with it right now. um, You might figure out a great purpose for it. And if you don't have it captured, you don't have it, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's ethereal. You've lost it, and you'll never get that moment back. The, the, the thing about it, too, though, there are some legal ramifications to that, and you need to make sure that you've addressed those and understood, um, had a clear understanding with your presenters and speakers that you're recording and what it's going to be used for and how it's going to be used, because some presenters don't want their information put out in that way. So you, you, you do have to be cognizant of that. And, and even things like, well, we're talking about the legal ramifications, understanding the ramifications of playing music. If you're putting together a video, you may need music clearances and permission to use that music. Definitely. Yeah. Or uh, a lot of times uh, if you're using movie clips, um, yes. I've, I've even seen uh, the, I forget what the, the agency is that monitors that uh, probably uh movie industry or record industry, but they, right. they, they even show up at our uh, meetings industry events and have a booth just to sort of remind people, uh, Hey, you got to do this, you know? Yeah. People like ASCAP and BMI exactly uh, handle the music publishing industry. And, and you want to make sure that you're figuring out that too. If the property has a, a license, the property may have a blanket license that covers it or they may not. And, and it's kind of, inexpensive insurance. And I'm, I'm far from a lawyer, so this is not legal advice, but you can certainly investigate that and find out. And, you know, maybe it's a 50 or a hundred dollar cost to indemnify yourself by making sure that you've paid for that clearance. And I, I have friends in the recording industry and they still get checks for like, you know, 
10 cents or 12 cents right. every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the the, 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 the whole streaming and all of that yeah. industry is really skewed around right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then how about, um, I always feel like, I mean, I think we and maybe the folks listening to this are lucky because we go to these events like MPI and PCMA and we're seeing the state of the art meeting stuff, content, education, technology, um, and, you know, experiential elements. So you're saying look for ways to add experiential elements to better help your attendees participate and learn. Um, you know, what, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, it's it's been shown that there are a lot of different learning styles. And to just sit people in a room in straight rows of chairs is not often the most conductive way to get people to learn something. So there are all sorts of approaches and, and angles. And actually, there was a, an interesting article today in uh, the, the LA Times about something they're doing at the Grammy Museum. And now this isn't a meeting, this is an installation, but it occurred to me how similar this kind of thing is. And you could do it like on the way into the room. They've taken the Backstreet Boys uh, because they have an exhibition about them and they've digitized them into sort of a hologram. And they've got a place where you walk up and it digitizes you and then puts you into the picture with them so that you can interact with them. And it's just, it's just a way to move beyond just having, you know, a video clip playing or, or having something, uh, a poster there. You're actually interacting with the item. And it's just a different way of engaging people. Uh, another thing that uh, came out, there's an app for sale on the App Store uh, about David Bowie and augmented reality. And they took, they took a museum exhibition that he curated before he passed away uh, that was done in London at the Victorian Albert. And they digitally captured every item in that exhibition, 360 degrees. So you can buy this app and you can literally on your iPad or phone walk through this exhibition virtually and do things you could never do in person. You can go up close to the item and, and look at it, examine it closely and from all different directions, 360 degrees. And so it's a different way to interact with it than just walking along and seeing an object on a mannequin when you can get up really close to it and, and see what the stitching looks like. Yeah, and we're just starting all this. I mean, uh, it's gee whiz stuff now, uh, but uh, the applications it will offer, uh, it's hard to even fathom them right now, what we might be seeing in a few years coming. Oh, ab absolutely. I mean, I, I think about when we were doing multi-image shows with, you know, 27 slide projectors, and I compare that now to what can be done simply and easily and quickly compared to how cumbersome that was. And, and I can't even imagine where we'll be in 20 more years. Right. Um, and then finally, uh, the last item, number 10, beware of uh, be aware of emerging technologies that and can enhance your meeting. And you mentioned a few, if you want to kind of detail those. Well, and, and I, we just touched on the augmented reality. Um, and and there, are, uh, there are AI things, artificial intelligence things like chatbots. 
and I mean, really a chatbot, the way I kind of see it at this point, it's being used almost like a, an interactive Q&A system. Um, but you can have uh, a, a machine routine, an artificial intelligence that will recognize what it's being asked and respond with the appropriate answer. So rather than having to have someone interactively dealing with your attendees on something, you can set this up where people can ask general questions and get an answer back, like via text is one way that they do it a lot. So they text a question, you know, um, when is this session going to be? The AI recognizes that and provides an answer back via a text and says, it's going to be at 1.30 in ballroom C. And so on. So you can you can put these chatbots together and handle a lot of the kind of informational needs of your attendees automatically, and in a way that frees up some of your staff. You don't maybe have to have as many people at the information desk. Right. And then um, and then how about uh, RFID, radio frequency identification? And you've got both RFID and beacons and. Um, Active and passive RFD tags, they have to have a reader um, at every point. So you, you can't really cover an entire hotel, let's say. But what you can do is like put a reader at the entrance to each room. And so when a person goes through with an RFID tag, it can, for one thing, allow them admission to the room. Um, they can go past this point because they're... Uh, RFID lights up green and says they're okay to come in. And and beacons and things are are location based, so you can also use that to put out specific things to somebody who's in a specific location. You know, the person who's in this aisle at a trade show might be able to get certain information shared over to them. And that yeah, that has always fascinated me that technology and uh it's just uh, they uh, they can f know where you're at in the entire facility. I guess if 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 you opt into it, um, and a, a lot of times I guess it'll be what on the name badges you'll see something. Yes, yeah, that's really popular, and I mean it's it, again on the really fun cutting edge stuff. They've been doing things. There's a company out of England that um, when I saw Coldplay the last time, they passed a wristband to everybody. And so you're sitting in your seat, and during certain songs, your wristband would light up. And based on your location in the venue, it would be a particular color. So they had the entire audience, like, flowing with different colors and, and things going on. That is cool. Uh, it was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Well, thanks for joining us, John. I uh, appreciate you making some time and uh, sharing all your knowledge. I'm always happy to. I, I really enjoy talking with you and having a chance to uh, to come on. And um, where is your website, Strategic Meeting Tech, located at? Where can people find it? Uh, it's strategicmeetingtech.com. Okay. And, uh, and that'll get you right to me. And there's contact information on there. And I'm always happy to answer questions or anything that I can do to help someone out. Excellent. I know I always see you at uh, the major industry events. So that's another good place to 
track you down and ask some questions, huh? <laughs> yep. I, I just uh, I just made my reservation for WEC, so I should see you there. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, and thank you um, out there in podcast listener land for joining us for this Meetings Today podcast. Uh, hop on over to our website at meetingstoday.com, and you will find a growing number of podcasts with industry experts, uh, interesting folks uh, offering different uh, food tour options, for instance. Uh, we just uh, did a, a podcast with Lip Smacking Foodie Tours in Las Vegas. Jeff Heilman did that. And so that's uh, that's a real good one. You might want to have your lunch in front of you though, when you're doing that. Um, so anyway, uh, thank you for joining us um, and we'll catch you next time.